Welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for your weekly therapy session, or probably the annual therapy session, because we have been knocked out of the Champions League and the season is all but over. I know there is top four to play for, but I think all of us um, being level-headed and sober do realise that the season is all over, unfortunately, and we will sort of dissect the bones of what happened against Atletico Madrid and why it happened and sort of how to approach the remaining games of this season because there is, I don't know, the 10 or so games to play for now. So it will be an interesting end of the season on how the club and players do approach it. But we will do our best to sort of dissect the bones. As you can see, Larry, um, after he watched the match today, um, just did a runner for it and his head for the hills. So he won't be joining us, but he might join in tomorrow. He might sort of put his own solo video up and give his own thoughts maybe tomorrow or on the Friday night pine. But got George and Josh with us, as always, adequate substitutes. But I'll just quickly go to the live chat because I want to sort of get into everything, but say good day to a few guys in the live chat. Indicate season is over for me. Play the kids. Um, so not play Rashford, Maguire, Pogba, Lingard and Cavani again, where, look, that sounds very drastic, but I think a lot of people are on the same lines of thinking, especially some of those players out of contract. Um, what's the point in seeing them anymore? Dion, always good to he um, hear from you, mate. Hope you're keeping well. George, as always. Ryan here from the Supporters Club. Evening, massive deflating loss. Just hope, it, just hope it doesn't knock us for six now with the slim chance of top four we have. On a side note, the ref was a joke in the second half. I haven't got any notes, but thanks for reminding me about the referee. We're not going to make an excuse. Definitely not going to make an excuse, but he is worth a discussion because I think it does obviously sort of impact on how the game um, sort of panned out. And Rob from It's a Football Thing. Always good to see. Cheer up, mate. It's, um, can it get worse, lads? Josh, have you felt worse in the last couple of years? It's, it's a bad it's a bad time to be a United fan. I think we're on the run of some shocking records. I think it's our worst run in like 30 years. I think it's like a trophy drought as well for, for quite a worst trophy drought anyway for quite a long time. For me, and, and this is a sad thing, it's, it's expected really. I don't think any of us... This has come as a major shock. You look at how we've been this season. You look at how we've been, you know, arguably the season before this as well. It's we're consistently inconsistent, and that's sort of emulated in the performance today. No shock for me. Just obviously majorly disappointed. Yeah, no. Echo the thoughts one hundred percent. If you are in the live chat tonight, um, please do just get your thoughts. And as I said, we don't want to sort of have any real sort of structure in this episode and go through start and elevens and incidents in the game. Um, we're just sort of, all sort of devastated. I think we're just sort of, sort, of, sort of naturally sort of get things off our chest. So just on that, George, in regards to, look, there's been many disappointments over the last 10 years. And I'm not going to say where does his rank in regards to disappointments, but how does it feel? Because like, I was speaking to Josh off air, and when you get knocked out of the FA Cup, it's okay. When you get knocked out of the League Cup, it's okay. When you finish wherever in the Premier League, and unfortunately for us over the years, it's been fourth, fifth, sixth, wherever, you think, okay, we'll move on. Something about when you get knocked out of the Champions League, even if it is expected, which we expected to go out to Barcelona the other year or um, even Atletico Madrid today, you kind of expect it. But when it does happen, it just takes it out of you. It's a real sort of reality check to how far we are, not just for let alone English clubs, but the Europe's elite. Ultimately, the Champions League is the, pro the premier competition in European football, if not world football. So, of course, it's going to hurt when, you, when you're no longer amongst the elites whether that be an expected exodus or not. And with regards to how this disappointment ranks, well, look, I wouldn't say it's as disappointing as seventh place under boys or losing the FA Cup final to Chelsea a couple of years back. But um, the sad thing for me is that I only see our current situation getting worse before it ever gets better because um, you took um, early, the earlier comment from um, Indica about the, all these players that shouldn't be playing. There are so many that are off contract. Pogba, Lingard, Cavani... Throwing Matic, Juan Mata, a couple of others as well that I haven't named. That's a lot of players that are going to have to be replaced. And you could argue with each individual case that they they can walk for free. Well, you wouldn't think United would let that happen. But ultimately, then we're keeping players here that shouldn't that are effectively dead wood. And we, uh, you've alluded to in earlier podcasts, um, we're, we're not we're not going to replace eight players leaving with eight players coming in. That's just not how. I think that's. Going. That's the thing. In terms of in isolation, you make the point and made it before in regards to all these individuals. Yes, they're all going to leave. And really, even as a collective, you could see a situation where 10 players leave the club. But it's not football manager. We have seen other clubs that have performed football manager. I think Inter um, did it a couple of years ago where there was some sort of like 20 players involved in one transfer window sort of thing. And we can't comprehend Manchester United bringing in 10 players. And obviously they won't. 
But Josh, I just got to you in regards to what George says in regards to ranking the disappointments and, okay, you can't put it over, or some some people will, but in terms of individual games, losing an FA Cup final or yeah, finishing, missing out on Europe completely under David Moyes, we're looking at low points like that. But does this maybe actually does rank it maybe the lowest point in regards to the whole situation, what has been, what the expectations were, and not just what has been, but what the future does look like. This feels almost, while not the performance is actually decent, I thought, in part, I thought Atletico Madrid, um, they, Atletico Madrid did deserve to go through, but in regards to recent performances by United, I think we actually performed quite well. Um, obviously not good enough on the day, but do you think just all things considered, regardless of an individual result, this has to be almost the lowest point in the last decade? I think so, just in terms of where it where we're at domestically and where we're on the league, it's sort of all accumulated and this was sort of where everyone was on the very off chance pinning our hopes of doing something in the Champions League. Because let's be honest, you know, fourth looks a long shot with the consistency Arsenal are doing in the Premier League. So really the hopes were in the Champions League and a Flesco Madrid, albeit it's off draw. I mean, what were they champions in Spain last year? I don't know, obviously decent form. You know, sorry, very similar form towards this season. It seemed like a game that we could win if we got the tactics right. But ultimately today, and and even in the tie before that, Madrid were allowed to play to their strengths, and that's what resulted in them going through. They were very controlled, especially off possession, because I think they averaged probably forty, less, you know, forty percent or maybe less possession throughout the two ties, and that's what they, that's what their strength is, and it's. It's a massively low point in this season. I don't think for me it's the lowest point. I think last year nothing getting knocked out in the Champions League in the group stage at the time was the lowest point for me, considering considering how well we did, how well we played it, especially against PSG home and away, and also with um, well, I think it was RP Leipzig at home. We, we put in some fantastic performances, and ultimately we lost the games as we as we do in the league domestically against the teams that we should be beating. And we looked at that game in Turkey last year as the pinpoint of what you know ruined it for us in the Champions League and this year again maybe not so much because we escaped in the group but it was really having that composure and sort of that plan B which is you know riddled Man United for many not just this year but for many years yeah no definitely just comment here um Helgon Wills evening lads morning here from Norway good to have you here mate I'm um, good to have some Norwegian listeners um if you are new here um, please be informed that we were obviously big fans of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I, I was sitting here saying this is the reason why Solskjaer shouldn't have been sacked because this is on the players and these are bigger than whatever manager. We sign a Pochettino or a Ten Hag, they're going to run into the same problems Ralph Frank, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jose Mourinho had. So enough on Solskjaer, but good to have you here, mate. Hope you are well. I'm going to be honest. I lost hope when I saw Maguire was starting over Lindelof and McTominay over Matic. We'll get into the Harry Maguire situation in a little bit. But he also follows on here. Rangit must be given the he must be given the authority to do a proper spring cleaning. And Ajax and and Ajax being out there, yeah, well, are we going to sign a manager who just got knocked out to Benfica? In regards to Ten Hag, you can see next season if we do sort of draw a game or lose a game, if it's under Pochettino, why are we getting someone who couldn't win the Champions League with PSG? If Ten Hag draws away at Brighton or at home to Southampton, we'll be saying why are we getting a guy who couldn't beat Benfica in the Champions League? So the manager debate is for later on. But, George, in regards to that, what Josh, Josh was just saying, in regards to, look, the Spanish champions, Atletico Madrid, and we were, we're far from English champions. So Atletico Madrid, at the end of the day, are a good team. Forget their form. they obviously a very sort of quality sort of stricken side and obviously a very sort of experienced manager. Atletico Madrid were the better team because they went through and they deserved to go through. In regards to the football match, United, I don't think we're that bad. No, I don't think we were, to be honest. I thought we started really positively. I think back to the chance where Alanga, Falcon, Oblak, on any other day that comes off his head and goes into the top corner or ricochets back into Alanga and goes back in. And if we get that early goal, it's a very different game because Atletico have to do something which they don't like, and that's chasing the game. Ultimately, we're not good at protecting a lead either, but the game could have panned out very differently. And the other incident that are, that could have gone either way is uh, when Ray Nildo kicked through Bruno Fernandes with... Look, oh, it was yeah. a, that's a 50-50 call, but yeah. it's one of those things that if it's your day, you might get that call. Yeah, that was a tough one. Josh, look, we'll, we'll quickly get in, or just as George mentions there in regards to that decision. We're, all three of us are going to sit here, and, of course, we can't blame the referee for going out. Men, Men United aren't good enough to get through against Atletico Madrid, let alone win the competition. So definitely not blaming the referee. But we have to point out a few things in regards to 
the issues that he caused. And ultimately, Atletico Madrid dealt with the referee better, so fair play to them. That's one of the reasons they went through. Manchester United couldn't deal with the referee. We saw some of the, I don't want to say behaviour, but our antics towards the referee played into Atletico's hands. We'll get into that in regards to sort of what Man United can be better, both individually and maybe a culture thing or whatever. But just on the referee's performance, I thought, look, he, I'm, not excu- I'm not excusing it, but or not blaming him, but it was woeful. He didn't realise, because the biggest thing Man United struggled with and the big frustration was time-wasting. It wasn't Atletico Madrid who were time-wasting. It was the referee who was time-wasting. And Atletico Madrid were just taking advantage of it. The, the referee, because he's engaged in talking to players and giving out cards or dealing with injury, the referee doesn't see that as time-wasting because he's engaged in the game. He thinks something's happening and he's active and he's doing something. Ultimately, he's doing nothing. He's just wasting time. And the Atletico Madrid players knew that. The Man United players knew that. But the referee just kept falling for it every time. Ralph Rain um, alluded to him falling for the time-wasting antics. And again, fair play to Atletico Madrid. If that's Man United doing those and we go through, we'll be full of praise for it. But um, just your thoughts on the referee performance and also um, Man United's failure to adapt and deal with it. Look, I know it's completely different to what we're used to in terms of refereeing when we play our, our friendly matches. But the sign of a good referee is where he really lets the, the players sort of facilitate the game and he oversees it. And he sort of had that quality that was, he was pretty much like the Mike Dean of where he was from. Had to make it all about him. Didn't allow the, both teams as well, may I add, to take quick free kicks whenever they wanted to. Yeah. Usually when you get a foul and there's no need to buck or caution, even have a word. He was in he was in their face, you know, taking their time. And it, it really stops the fluidity of the game. And United, especially this season when they're chasing when they're chasing a game. I know that George alluded to it, we're really bad at, you know, sort of protecting the lead, but even chasing it, you know, chasing a goal towards the end of the game. When teams are time wasting and the ref the game has that sort of stop start feel to it, it really does play into that, you know, the advantage of the opposition. And United in the first, I thought you said United were good today. And look, I think they were in the first half anyway. Second half, I just think the speed of the game made it a completely different story to the first half. And we were frustrated as fans. We had this conversation off air. It was just a really frustrating game, especially in the second half to watch. No, it definitely. Did, just, on, just in regards to the referee here, Jamie, good listener over from Northern Ireland. Good to see you, mate. Matic on the ball at Felix's head was worth a yellow. And the man you managed to, look, should Matic have started? I think we all sit here and probably agree. And um, Matic did do well in regards to the frustrations. That's probably was the one thing I'll take from the game. Um, him throwing the ball at um, Joe Felix. As Nemanja Matic does care, you obviously see the frustration when he came on. He, I think, in my opinion, looked like he thinks he should have been starting a football match. Um, Emad here, sorry for the lateness. I've missed um, all the hot topics, haven't I? I think it's just all one topic, Emad. I, I don't know if we're sort of splitting the things up. I think all the topics are sort of just sort of combining together because that's what it is. No one, we've discussed many problems with Manchester United. No one can put the finger on what is the problem at the moment. That That's how broad the issue is. So, just, George, on that, before we move on, just anything in regards to the referee situation. Ultimately, we're not, as, as I said, I'm going to continue to say it. We're not blaming the referee at all, but how do you think United dealt with it? Because Atletico Madrid, it was like a textbook Diego Simeone game plan. It was like score a goal, okay, not an early goal, but a first half goal. So, in balance of all things, an early goal. Then just sat back and just, it's exactly what you expect from an Atletico Madrid match. And the Man United players looked like it was something completely new to them. They just hadn't seen this type of football before. And ultimately, I, I then I put that on the referee for the poor performance in regards to the refereeing performance. But I do have to look at our players and say, yeah, be more professional and more experienced. Yeah, I didn't think we dealt with it very well. Look, uh, the one player I'll single out for that is uh, Bruno. I, I wouldn't have taken off Bruno, but the way that he was whining to the ref when we're chasing a goal, that takes the sting out of the game and the momentum that we'd built up in the early part of the second half when we were chasing the game. I, I wasn't impressed with that. That doesn't mean I would have taken him off. I actually would have left him on. But um, with regards to the refereeing itself, if you're not going to book someone and it's not mm. the first half, especially in the second half, you don't stop the game and go talk to them. If anything, that's what Atletico would beg for that. Go talk to us and, you, if you're not gonna, yeah. and you're not going to book us, especially when it's in the late stages of that game. I feel as though you've re- if you're going to set the bar, you've got to do that in the first half when time isn't so much as a factor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, held on wheels here. Fletcher being yellow card sums it up for me. I think that worst couple of minutes, that worst, um, not the worst couple of minutes, but that last few minutes of Darren Fletcher getting booked and then one matter coming on, which I was happy to see one matter on the pitch, obviously. 
but one matter coming on to change the game in sort of injury time for Harry Maguire. I think it sort of did sum up where Manchester United are at the moment. But just in regards to that, I do mention Captain Fantastic in Harry Maguire. And where to start, Josh? Because I don't know. We all of us agreed that he shouldn't be he shouldn't be playing. George, calm it down. We, we all know that he shouldn't have been playing. We all sat here, though, knowing that, of course, he's going to play. Ralph Frank will um, succumb to the pressure, whether it be a, a subconscious pressure or whatever. He's going to play. The reason for me isn't it his defensive issue or his lack of speed or his tactical awareness. None of Obviously, those could be better, which is why I'd probably opt for someone else at the moment in a Victor Lindelof. It's just the, the situation surrounding Harry Maguire at the moment. He's just a walking meme at the moment. And nothing some, because the actual goal, if you actually look at the goal, I can pinpoint the goal on so many issues. Alanga rolling around, not getting up. Ronaldo chasing the referee, not pressing the ball. Bruno being out of position, then playing through midfield. Harry Maguire, I thought, was actually fine with the goal. He's tied to Griezmann. Fred, unfortunately, got pushed over. They played the ball through. Delo got caught. It was just a well-worked goal by Atletico Madrid, and I think everyone was at fault for United. But Harry Maguire is getting the stick. But just in regards to Maguire, it's just everything he touches. We all sometimes have an expression, someone who touches everything, it turns to gold. When Ronaldo's in form or a striker's in form, everything they touch turns to gold. Everything Maguire touches at the moment just turns to absolute shit. Just look at the one where he's in the um, attack in a corner. He headbutts Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I know it's a complete accident. Obviously, he doesn't mean that. But it's, that doesn't surprise you. It, that does not surprise you. The narrative between Ronaldo and Maguire chasing the Champions League sort of title and Harry Maguire headbutts our star striker. That's just something that does not surprise you, sadly. And that is the reason I wouldn't pick him. Obviously sort of on top of the football in reasons at the moment, but just the situation surrounding him at the moment, there's no way he should have been on the pitch. Well, I think we're just going to sound like a broken record because we've been saying the same thing for what feels like, it doesn't feel like a season. It feels like it's been a season, but it feels like longer than a season. It feels like since he's had that little trip to Mykonos, we've been saying it. Um, I don't think, look, I agree with you. I don't think you can fault Harry Maguire for us not qualifying to the next stage of the Champions League. I don't think it's solely down to him. But I think the one word that sort of describes him, especially across the both ties, is clumsy. He's clumsy today, both boxes, emulated by headbutting Ronaldo, creating really cynical fouls in, in good positions as well when we had set pieces. You know, there were some, some moments where Bruno delivered some quality balls into the box and then the referee blowed a foul because of a clumsy, clumsy decision from Maguire. And it's... It's just not looking good for him, um, you know, in the long term. And look, I never like the ironic cheers when a player gets substituted. I've seen it many times. You can times understand it, though. Absolutely, yeah. Of course, you can understand that. You can't deny fans, you know, the right to voice their opinion. But it's just a very hostile environment to be in. I'm sort of happy I'm not back in Manchester for that because that, those are the things I used to hate seeing Fellaini get it every time, even though. Half of the times it was, it, you know, it wasn't warranted. It just, it's just a sign of the times that we're in at the moment. And it looks horrific because he's meant to be, or he is our captain. And we had this conversation. I mean, we, we were at the pub on Monday night and we, we had a chat saying, well, look, when do you drop him? Do you drop him midway through the season? Do you wait for him to be stripped until of captaincy until the end of the season? For me, there's no time at the present. There's nothing really to play for. Make the change now. Well, just on that, I'll just, I'll just read a few comments out, but then I'll go to George and just remind me, I just want to touch on that point in regards to Harry Maguire moving forward the rest of the season. But just some comments here. Um, the Blue Lounge, I'm a Chelsea fan channel. Um, feel free to go and sort of subscribe to them and give them a watch. Um, obviously, plenty of Chelsea content. Maybe um, if Chelsea can fulfil their fixtures, um, he'll have some more information than us, but that'll be an interesting end of the season for Chelsea. Um where is it here? Football capital. Fletcher on the bench sums it up. Yeah, we'll sort of touch on that, but completely agree. Um, Emat, you tied on Griezmann, but it's Griezmann who gets the corner of the box and gets an assist. Is it Griezmann with the cross? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, even, okay, if Griezmann's, and look, I hate sounding like I'm defending Harry Maguire, but if Harry Maguire is then on Griezmann, we're saying, why is Harry Maguire at the left back position? So, again, all these things you can sort of pinpoint and isolate things. The football, um, Rob here replying to the football capital in regards to De Gea could have been maybe a little bit better on the header. I thought the same, but in real time would have been different, save the hard one in the first half. Yeah, for me, no issue with um, David De Gea. Delo shouldn't be um, drawn in so much for the goal. How many times did Atletico play a ball in behind our two fullbacks? Never learned throughout the game. Just before we move on, just on that point, George, we're sort of preparing ourselves for a charity match in a couple of days against Chelsea um, here in Sydney. Link in the description below for the support, all the supporters club socials. If you are in Sydney, 
and want to come down and watch. But here we are, George, none of us professional footballers, and we're sort of trying to get ourselves fit for the match, and it's unlimited interchange. I'm sure after a couple of minutes, a lot of people will be putting their hands up for a substitution. Diogo Deloza, young, fully sort of professional footballer, top of his game. Is he fit? After the second half, I just see him running in slow motion. It's like he's in quicksand, and I'm just thinking, so we question so many things about, I'm not, I'm not questioning his professionalism, maybe he just he's not a fit guy. But my God, in the second half, does he die off or am I just imagining things? He just looks in slow motion. He looks like he needs a bloody defibrillator at half time. I definitely agree. But I guess what didn't help him also is when Rashford came on, he just never got any service when he did make the effort to overlap. So that, I guess, not an excuse when you're a professional footballer, but it disheartened him and stopped him have the, having the motivation to push forward and create that extra man. With regards to his professionalism, look, I'm, I, I don't... I don't, I'm not prepared to question it, but I oh, have yeah, to yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely not. It's just uh, it just looks insane, and he's a big, fit guy. Like I've seen him in person yeah. over in Perth, he's a big guy, fit, muscly, and I'm just thinking, look, he puts a lot of effort in. I know fullback is probably one of the most underrated positions in regards to up and down running. Uh, obviously, it's a very sort of physically demanding job, and he's probably ten times, a hundred times fitter than me. So I don't want to criticize him too much, but my God, it's a weakness in his game, in my opinion. Yeah, look, um, I've compared I've compared him on the show with Aaron Bonvasaka a few times. It's one it's one of those things that um, look, um, Zalo's just for me seems average at a lot of things. Bonvasaka is terrible with the ball at his feet, but great defensively. Ultimately, even the, even with Bonvasaka's poor, poor performance in the Manchester derby, for me, he still has more credit in the bank than what Dalo does. So, if, for me, that fifty fifty decision is still Bonvasaka. But the reason, but even even so, I still want an upgrade at right back. Ironically, the right back that I would have wanted played for Atletico in the first part of the season in uh, Kieran Trippier. But mm. yeah, it's tough times ahead. Do you not think? Well, do you not think today there was like a lack of fluidity with the fullbacks and the wingers? Because I thought today, you know, usually if one if one's bad, if the fullback's bad, you know, you could rely on Jaden Sancho still having a good seven six out of ten game. But I thought today that the connection between Tellers and and Sancho and, and Delo and Rashford in the second half and Alanga in, in the first, non-existent. I think it just and came it, the way Atletico played. Uh, Atletico, they're just so well defensively organised and, and Diego Simeone would be seeing things far differently and far more advanced than any of us are sitting here watching it. So he would have seen things and sort of set traps that we sort of, our untrained eye wouldn't sort of find. So I think it was just a case of, a textbook Atletico game. They knew exactly what they wanted because while we're sitting here and say United actually played quite well or quite well in regards to what, how we performed recently, do we really have a chance? I know we had that Anthony Langer chance at the end of the game or at the start of the game, sorry. I know there was the Varane and Ronaldo chance, but that's off a set piece. As as dominant as we were in regards to possession, we never really looked like scoring. Like Ronaldo, I thought Ronaldo had a relatively fine game, not good, not bad, just sort of did his job. Did he touch the ball in the box? No. So it's just one of those. I think you do need to look, have to look in our own backyard and United aren't good enough from top top to bottom. Ultimately, also, there are there is an opposition. I think you do have to give credit to Atletico Madrid. And I don't want to do that in regards to the way they went about things. It's not how I like to see football played. But Atletico Madrid fans want winning football and that's what their manager and club is sort of providing them um, consistently over the years. Because you look at Atletico over the last 10 years compared to us over the last 10 years, who's the bigger club? Um, they've been very successful over in Spain and ultimately Cristiano Ronaldo has stopped them being successful in Europe. But um, they're a very well-run club, in my opinion. Um, you can see what they do on... Look, they do spend big money, but in regards to the big teams in Spain, in Barca and Real Madrid, um, they have done well. And you just see what United do here. Um, easily impre- impressionable. Rob Tom didn't even know Griezmann got the assist. But and that, why, if Harry Maguire's at left-back, you're criticising him for not being at centre-back. I, I, look... Maguire's at fault for the goal 100%, along with the 10 other players. Uh, Ronaldo's at fault for the goal, chasing the referee, not pressing. Bruno's at fault. Alanga rolling round like one of the Atletico Madrid players. He should have got up. It wasn't really a foul, in my opinion, um, when you watch it back in slow motion. So I think a lot of people have to um, sort of get on with it and sort of share the blame. And that's not me defending Harry Maguire at all. Selling, whatever. Get stripping the captain and he shouldn't be playing. But just on that here, Jamie says, do we start promoting youth for the rest of the season now that we're challenging for nothing? George, very easy to say that. And look, I agree with Jamie there. Very easy to say. A manager, when he's got Harry Maguire rocking up to train on 200 grand a week or Paul Pogba on 400 grand a week, whatever he is, um, it's very easy to say drop them. But, well, 
one, what would you do in regards to also being competitive? After, uh, if Arsenal do an absolute miracle and somehow do blow this, you don't want to be in a position where we're also blown it, where we, we potentially sort of make up that gap. So if you're the manager, how would you do it? And also, how do you think Ralph Rangnick will approach these remaining games? Um, if I were a, man- a manager in this situation and top four is still a mathematical possibility, you've got to be going all guns blazing until it becomes a mathematical impossibility, which if we continue with a negative trend of form and Arsenal don't plateau or drop off, um, that mathematical impossibility will happen quite soon. And then only then and only then at that point would I start bringing the youth team in because you, you can't be giving up until the race is really over. With regards to what should be happening, what should be happening. But the other question we have to ask ourselves is, are these youth players actually ready? While they may not be worse than some of these guys that are out there, ultimately they haven't, they haven't made the bench or the team for re- for the reason that they probably just aren't ready yet. We've seen with Hannibal, lots of ra- lots of raps on him, but how, what have you really thought of him when he's had his cameo against Wolves and a couple of times we've seen him in the League Cup? Obviously, Alanga was the one that Obviously, I, th- I think if the youth were ready, they'd have the chance. Alanga made his impression on Ranik when he came in. It hadn't really finished before that. that, and he came in and did well. And, right and look, I, the I would agree with that. I, I, would, I would agree with that. And I, I always go along that line of thinking that, okay, if, how they're performing in training, that the manager would sort of reward that. And we've seen that with Anthony Alanga. Let's say, uh, and I haven't, I haven't seen too many of the 23s this season, I've seen more of the under-18s. But let's say a centre-back, a centre-back's performing well in the under-23s, and, okay, is he deserving of his chance or is he not ready? Well, it doesn't matter. He could be playing ten out of ten. He could be. He could be ready. Is he going to play over Harry Maguire at the moment? Of course, he's not. So, so I'm just thinking. Well, we have this question, Josh. The saying: Are these players ready? And look, all oh, it's up for debate. You do never know until they're sort of thrown in the deep end. But they're not going to get a chance because some of the issues at the club, and that's Marcus Rashford's going to be first name off the bench if he's not starting. Harry Maguire's going to be first name on the team sheet because he's the captain, and these spots just aren't available. Those spots who for the players who aren't performing should be available for those young players, but they're not available because they're consistently picked. I think I think it's easier said than done. Very easy to say let's, you know, let's get young young players into the squad because, you know, they, they deserve the opportunity players might be leaving. But as George alluded to, you've got to be fully competitive until it's impossible to be competitive. Until it's impossible to have that thing you sort of crave or desire for us at the moment that's going to be top four. I think what, what works out the most is United, United are aware of this. I know we question their you know, logistical side, the operational side, but they have, a, they have a plan where they must, you know, I think um, Sir Alex Ferguson had the greatest example in his autobiography. He, he puts a picture in there where they have a picture of what they've got, the plays they've got, the plays that are ready to sort of step into that position and the plays that they're sort of looking to scout as well at alternative clubs. And I think United have that and they're fully aware of what players especially in the under-23 squads, would be looking to step into that position. Should a player leave or should they, um, you know, not... Or should, you know, they just automatically step into that? I think for United at the moment, I think they're... It's, with someone like Maguire in defence, I think that's probably a bad example because you look at the players that are out of contract and in defence, there's not many, is there really? I think, is it, is it just Eric Bailly? Is Bay even out of contract or is he every year left? And it's just. No, I think just, he's got 18 months left. Yeah, I think he's actually got a bit of time on his contract, but it was just under the assumption that I think AC Milan were linked in January, but the African Cup yeah. of Nations maybe prevented that. And I think, um, at, I think you'd be looking at probably like a more of an attacking, attacking player, someone like a, someone in a Pogba position, someone in maybe um, a Rashford position that's a bit de- demotivated by the club at the moment is probably looking for a way out the door. And he, he sort of given examples that earlier, I think he was in the Champions League, he played the two youngsters um, that came off the bench. You, you know, he'd be looking at players like Charlie McNeil, that's been fantastic for, for the reserves at the moment, and obviously got an FA Cup final, an FAU Cup final ahead of them as well. And I think that could play a massive part as well. I don't know when the final is. I'm sure it'll be before our season um, reaches the business end anyway. So that's what, that'll be a good opportunity for players to probably put themselves in, in first-team contention and... Look, I think the longer this plays out and we're sort of ruining our chances, I think the sooner you could get them probably stepping into that position. Yeah, definitely. Here, I just want to bring this up here. United and the football capital here. United spent $1 billion since Fergie left and Matter's coming on to save us. And I know that's not a dig at Matter, mate, but that, that's where I've said, and look, Matter shouldn't have come on with five minutes to go. It should have been 35 minutes to go if, if you do want to make that sub in terms of chasing the game. But that is where I go back. And this small sample size, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. 
That's what I've been saying over the past couple of months, saying you do need to give these players minutes and use your squad wisely because when you do need that player in the Champions League, you can't put him on for the last five minutes and expect a miracle. You do need to keep him match fit and sort of sort of at, up, up to sort of match pace over the sort of previous weeks, but we simply haven't done that. It was, I think, his second appearance under Ralph Frank or third appearance under Ralph Frank. So it's just not a, not a fair, and obviously no one's blaming one matter for not coming on and changing the game, but it's just sort of completely sort of unfortunately does sum up the problems. Now, there's sort of two more topics I want to sort of touch on before we do wrap up. And the, look, I'll throw it to you lads in the live chat. So please do let us know if you do want to dish out some points and George and Josh as well. Yeah, that was, that was his our third appearance under Randy in case you're wondering, Tom. Well, they said Champions League appearance as well. Um, I think they said it was his third Champions League appearance and one was against Young Boys and the other one, he came on for a corner against Villarreal under Michael Carrick. He's on the pitch for no more than four seconds and that counted as an appearance. And his other appearance the, under Ranjik was the penalty shared out against Borough. No mistakes there. No mistake from the spot. Very rarely from one matter. But again, enough for one matter. I'll make that episode when he leaves in a couple of months, unfortunately. But... Three two ones. Do we want to? Oh, Georgia, a little bit covered there. We'll get rid of the three two ones today in regards to the banner. But um, do we want to do three two ones? It is, look, we haven't spoken about it. Fred in the first half was Brazilian. He had the shades of Redondo against Hennigberg, against Real Madrid, against Manchester United all those years ago. Fantastic bit of skill. Um, ultimately, nothing came of the pass. But Fred in the first half was brilliant. I, I thought he was really good. I thought McTominay in the first half was good. Ultimately, we're having a very different discussion if they don't score in the sort of late on in the late on in the first half, and um, it's a totally different game. So I'll leave it to you boys in the live chat, but I'll go to Josh first in regards to do we want to give points out today, or just because it sums up the whole mood in regards to the situation we have found ourselves in now. Is it worth just sort of staying clear? I'd say like maybe give us maybe do three C ones because it's a good opportunity where De Gea probably won't sail away with the lead, but you know what, he might still be in contention for one two points anyway over that first half save but uh yeah I, I say do it I think for me it's an easy three points um I think I think I'd be going for one of two players and, and the first would be Fred I think the confident performance against Spurs sort of emulated into today's performance on Wednesday especially in the first half pulling off ridiculous skill but but came off as well really confident performance w- winning the lots of lots of lots of loose balls back and and more importantly as well, keeping possession, which you don't really associate with Fred. I think I only counted one or two times where he gave the ball away, which is fantastic by Fred standards. So, well, um, he, has a very, he has a very different view of the game. In that attacking half, when he gets the ball off the back four, pretend the back four is behind oh, I'm getting the ball off the back four of you guys, and the game's behind me. Fred's not seen what's behind him, but when he's further forward, he's only got that one line to look at. And um, yeah, I just think he's far more suited to higher up the pitch. He has a better awareness there. We've seen the tricks and flicks around the corner. Because you can Honestly, see what's around him. Some of the balls he was playing. I mean, there was one. There was one chance in the first half. It was sort of like a half chance from from below. I think the keeper just caught it comfortably. But the way he, you know, he got the ball away quickly from McTominay and drilled it into um, Delo. It was really good vision. And I think, yeah, I, I don't think I can argue. I think he had a really good performance. And actually, thought I don't really want to give it to a defender just based on the score. But I thought Rafael, Rafael Baran was really controlled today as well. Yeah, I thought Varane was good. George, I just want to throw this one to you here. Both Ryan and Dion have said um, Fred San- uh, Fred for three, Sancho for two. And Jamie's gone as well. Fred um, to Sancho one. And Jamie here, three for Fred, Sancho and McTominay. Jaden Sancho, George. I, I thought he was poor. And, and maybe not poor. I just thought, considering what he has been in recent weeks, I thought he's far off that. And maybe not so performing badly, but just nothing he did came off. And whether you can argue, did he have the help around him, whatever. I just thought individually, sort of trying to go past plays, he was getting tackled quite often. And again, not a bad performance, but ultimately didn't didn't have the impact that he has had. I feel like the reason why we're criticising Sancho a bit today is because he's come up against a team that's playing in a back three with yeah. a retreating wing back. And what happens in that situation, uh, speaking of the trap at Simeone's setting, is that you can counter for an overlapping fullback if the wing back drops in because you've, you've got a cent the right-sided centre-back in the case of Sancho coming on the left and the right full-back. So that way you've always got a two-on-two. So it's not always a straightforward overlap. So you're relying on Sancho to have to provide a bit of trickery against a deep-lying back line to beat a player one-on-one before you can even create the overlap. And even so, if that overlap is created, you've got barely any space on the byline. So that's why we were a lot less productive from our wingers today. Look, I don't think Sancho was poor. I don't think he gave the ball away so much as what Rashford did when he came on or Alanga on the other side. And yes, um, that's why Sancho was isolated. Because because of that um, tacti- tactical 
um, adjustment from Simeone. Well, I wouldn't say there's adjustment. That's how Atletico play. But our wingers just couldn't find a solution to it. The way that because we've been so used to playing against one individual on both sides, just one fullback, and that way it's easy to double up and isolate, especially in the Premier League when wingers are generally not quick getting back. And that's why I never that match. Yeah, it's very good. Well, look, a lot of Atletico players are good. There's the type of players you do hate to watch and you sort of hate when they're against you. But um, if they're in a red shirt in Manchester, there'll definitely be players you do would sort of you'd fall in love with. Um, they are I'd, the sort of type I'd definitely of warm to Marcos Lorente. I would definitely warm to him. Yeah, Lorente. Uh, give it a couple of weeks until the sort of the hurt dies down. I'll, may, I'll maybe consider him. But at the moment, I don't want to see anywhere near Old Trafford. But Old Trafford is my next point. But just in regards to sort of we'll try and wrap up these three two ones, Josh, in regards to okay, I think Fred will give him three points. I think his first half deserved it. I agree with you, Josh, in regards to Rafael Varane. I thought, especially having to deal with maybe Harry Maguire as a potential opponent next to him as well. I thought it was a bit of a tough evening. So I'll give Rafael Varane two points. And um George, I'm saying you're at the bottom of the screen here. I'll give you the honors for the one point. One point's a fifty-fifty for me between De Gea and McTominay. De Gea for his um, world class. I thought, yeah, I thought McTominay was good. He'll obviously get a lot of criticism, but um, and he obviously got subbed, and I thought probably the right substitution in chasing the game, but I, got, I agree with you. I thought McTominay in that first half um, was pretty solid. Yeah, I thought he was solid in that first half. Ultimately, yes, I agree it was the right substitution. I Also, in the second half, after the first five minutes, I, I did think his ball progression was a bit slow, especially coming coming back and picking the ball picking the ball up and progressing it forward, he did fade away in that second half. And that's why I do think it was the right call to bring Matic on for him. But mm-hmm. I guess, um, yeah, De Gea is the only one you could make a case for, but now he's got enough points. Give it to McTominay. Good man, George. Good man. So we'll go Fred, Varane and um, Scott McTominay. Um, maybe on Friday we'll give you a points total, a uh, points tally. Maybe we'll stay clear of De Gea's points and we'll go from two downwards. But um, good mate of ours, Sam here. Evening, mate. Sorry I'm late. Keen for the therapy session whilst I do the dishes. Um, do let me know if you've broken any dishes because if I was listening to this or thinking about United when doing the dishes, um, I'm sure there'll be one or two breakages. This is a discussion for Friday Night Point, I think, lads. Um, Larry will be back on with us, hopefully. And, um, look, I'm sure we'll be having plenty of these discussions. Um, I'll go to you, Josh. We'll wrap up the podcast on this. And please do um, leave your thoughts in the live chat um, on this one. Old Trafford. Report coming out that Man United are starting to look at um, three different scenarios. I don't have them in front of me. One was rebuild the stadium, sort of knock it down, rebuild it, whether that be at the same site or another site in Manchester that wasn't confirmed. Second one was extend the South Stand, which obviously that is just the one tier at the moment, which they've been unable to build on for God knows how long because obviously the railroad behind it. And number three was not to upgrade the stadium in regards to capacity or anything, but just give it a refurnish, whether that be a coat of paint or some padded seats. Who knows? But um, your thoughts on the report first, and then we'll get into what you want to see done. But just in regards to reports, do I believe them? I don't believe them. I, I think it's a good story. We've spoke about when the Glazers sort of communicated with Man United or the fans after the protests for the European Super League. They said, okay, we'll look at infrastructure and investing in the stadium. I think this is just a carry on from that. I think it's a nice line. Said, oh, they're doing something. Do I see anything big happening? Not really, in my opinion, but just your thoughts, Josh. Yeah, look, I hope, I hope there's no... Um massive you know relocation or anything i mean i think for me i'm very selfish i obviously a season ticket holder i know i live here now but i couldn't imagine not going to old trafford and sitting in the seat i've sat in since i was what three four years old it's just i don't, don't like change anyway you know change happens at work or change happens in my personal life or anything or things ruin my routine i'm, I'm very routine based and i think that old trafford is forms a massive part of my routine anyway when I was back home. So just not doing the same things, the same superstitions, the same sort of routine I had before a match day. If I had the opportunity again going forward when I go to Manchester, it just wouldn't sit right for me. But I do agree. I mean, it is the facilities and infrastructure, they've been run down for a while and it needs a little bit of work done. Um, well, I say a little bit of work, but a lot of work done in terms of pains, in terms of sustainability across the seats. I mean, I think... I think I'd be surprised if my seat's fully red now. I think it's a light pink at the moment. Um, but yeah, there's, look, there's a lack of investment and that's that's happened for a long time. Would I like to see us move? No. Would a lot of fans like to see us move? I don't think so. I think if you ask the season ticket holders, I don't think they'd be happy to move, even though they'd be the first to admit that there just needs to be a lot of change happening. But sometimes, you know, a move has worked out better. Look at City, they're now a massive club. I would say massive club, but... Um, you know, massive in a sense that they've rejuvenated pretty much the Eastern Manchester, which is 
which is fantastic on an economic level. Um, if you look at it outside of the football side of things, you know, it's one of the poorest areas in Manchester when they move from Main Road to, to Eastlands. And the work they've done there in terms of making that sort of area of Manchester more prosperous is fantastic. And if United were to move, I'd hope it sort of emulate that same success for, um, economically and financially for the people of Manchester that, that probably really need it as well. Where they move to, I don't know, because up Trafford and that area of Manchester... I won't class that as an impoverished or sort of low-income area. It's, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a really growing um, economic area. It's media cities there. So if they were to do it, it'd be hard to sort of see where they'd go. Would they go further sort of out, say, East Manchester, West Manchester, sorry, towards the lower side of Stratford and Didsbury? I don't know. There's not a lot of land available to build a stadium. So I think if it was... An infrastructure and rejuvenation project, it had to happen internally. I don't think they'd be able to, I can't see them building a stadium that's in Manchester, let's say. Would be the <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a weird one and ultimately I don't think anything will come of this. I think it'll be sort of along the lines of some padded seats. They might sort of fix the canteen and maybe put a new scoreboard in. That, that's honestly, I'm not taking the piss, that is what I think will happen. I can't see... Um, Dion here puts in regards to, yeah, I mentioned on Twitter, our financials are an absolute mess. Are the Glazers going to invest that kind of money? When you Can we see the Glazers here in 10 years' time? Probably not, in my opinion. Look, let's hope they're gone by then, but we all probably they'll have an exit strategy um, to get out of the club within that time frame. Fingers crossed. Will they invest this money into a stadium? I don't think so. So that, that, that's one factor. But before I go to you, George, I'm mixed on this. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like this opinion at all, saying it out loud. I'm not saying knock the stadium. Well, I kind of am. I'm, not, I'm just not totally against it. If you said last week, knock the stadium down and rebuild, I'd say, what are you talking about? Get out of our club. Maybe it's a situation in regards to how sort of low it feels at the moment in supporting the club, but there's something in me, George. It's, it's just I wouldn't be fully against it. Now, ideally, what I'll do, maybe at Tottenham, knock the stadium down and build it again on the same site um, and sort of restructure it and sort of just, I think Tottenham's moved like 50 or 60 metres type thing. So... And obviously, then they can deal a little bit better with the railway, um, the train station. Where do you play your home games, Tom? At the Etihad? Well, no, well, that, that's obviously the, a huge complication. Obviously, what, what would it take to build a stadium three or four years? So, who I've just seen here, um, they're talking about Ryan says, uh, where would they play the home games? And George goes, uh, probably at Carrington fans behind the rope, <laughs> which would be interesting. Uh, yeah, look, that is a huge question. I don't know. George, first of all, give me your thoughts on the actual stadium, but if also remember this part of the question, tongue-in-cheek, this obviously not going to happen. I don't think they're going to knock the stadium down. But given the sort of the banter around Man United fans, could you see the Man United um, actually playing at Wembley for a couple of years? Oh, dear, if we relocated to London. Uh, the other, oh, I was going to say, although Old Trafford may be getting knocked down, we wouldn't. We, we, there's a situation where we might not stop playing at Old Trafford. There's a cricket ground, Old Trafford, so we can have a few games there, scuff up the pitch a bit for a bit. So, you know, it's uh, batting hell for when the Ashes comes around next year. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll but, tell you where they stuffed it, Tom. When they, built, when, they, when they built Old Trafford or when they sort of regenerated Old Trafford, they wanted to have a stadium that would have transport access. So the, the, the main national rail line goes, to, goes past Old Trafford. And it stops at Old Trafford, so on match days you can actually get the trade. You can get a normal yeah. trade to Old Trafford. And the problem they have is, as, as United have grown in the 90s and the 2000s, and it, we've gone from a 40,000-seat stadium to a 67,000 and now to a 75,000 stadium, they want to further do that and extend the south stands. Well, they'll never get the planning permission because the rail, the rail line... Well, you can see, you can see here the size of the south stand in regards how much lower it is, it's remained the same stand the whole time. Yeah. They've built the other three up. And, and they, they can't do anything with it because it, it's a national it's a national rail line that I think goes from Liverpool to, or Chester even, to to sort of like Manchester and to Leeds and, 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 out, and out east. One question here, George, which absolutely frightens me um, from the other George. Um, Emad brought it up earlier as well. Today we're having a chat about it, and I never never crossed my mind, but now that it's there, I can't stop thinking about it. And George has said, I hope it's not going to be named after a betting company. Forget the betting company or whatever, but just naming rights, whether it be the same stadium and we refurbish it or a new stadium on the same site or a new stadium at a different site. Well, if it's at a different site, you probably don't call it Old Trafford, but it can't have naming rights for me. Now, no. ultimately, in terms of the business side of things, would it shock you? No. Would it make business sense? Obviously. That's that's an important part of Manchester United. I don't want to see the Chevrolet Arena or the Aon 
um, stadium. I type it. It's just that's a, that's such an important part for me. Yes, build a new stadium or redo this stadium 100%. It's got to remain Old Trafford, or if it does move, just whatever location um, it is. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. Um, Old Trafford has to maintain its name, especially if it's on the same site. Which I act, I am of the opinion that it should be knocked it, knocked down and rebuilt, but that on the same site and do it as soon as possible with the project commencing in the off season. So that way there's less football impacted. I don't care if you have to play at the old cricket, the old Trafford cricket ground for three, three years, whatever it is, because if, that, if that's just George here with another cracker. So sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. I'm the guy driving the Bobcat around during construction. That, that, that'll someone with Photoshop be able to put that on Twitter. That'll be viral within a couple yeah, of minutes, then, uh, but continue George. Yeah, Rashford will also be the lollipop man with the cars driving past. But um, I think we've done well this um, podcast, Josh, to sort of stay clear of Marcus Rashford. I don't want to touch on not his effort, but his performance. I'll, I'll just discuss performance um, coming on. I go along the same lines of Harry Maguire. It's just why I wouldn't bring Marcus Rashford on the pitch at the moment. Everything he touches is just a mess. And just your thoughts on when he came on. Well, what were you thinking? Could you see? Because the only the only explanation I had for him coming on was simply, it wasn't a tactical thing or it wasn't Ralph, it was trying to get him behind. It was a, look, he's in such bad form. He's a hero of Manchester. Let's hope he scores. Let's just put him on. It'll be a great story. Maybe just he gets a little bit lucky and something happens. There was no tactical sort of insight in terms of if you're going to bring someone on the right-hand side in terms of what Atletico Madrid were doing and to find an answer, call me bias, it would have been one matter over Marcus Rashford in my opinion. Yeah, or, or even for me, Jesse Lingard. Um, Lingard, yeah. Marcus Rashford for me. Again, it was just hope. But I, the commentator alluded to it. He's, when Alanga came off, he was just like, well, Alanga was the hero in the first leg, but he's not going to be the hero in the second. That's, you know, could it be Marcus Rashford? And I think every one of us fans, that when he asked that question, just went, no, no, it's not going to be Marcus Rashford. And he drew Padre in the game. It, it wasn't a game for him. And just in terms of how Madrid consistently stayed, with their formation throughout the game, with pretty much, I'd say, let's say three at the back, but fact, with, with the wing-backs, five, they were very... It wasn't a game for sort of Rashford to impose his control on the wing-backs. We're having a fantastic game and sort of isolated our, our wingers and also our full-backs throughout the game. It was never going to make that impact. It needed that creativity of one matter, probably at the time when when um, Rashford, you know, potentially came on with 25 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go, or even just... Well, well, well at half-time. ...of energy and always plays off yeah. confidence when, he, when he's not played for a while. Well, you talk about 25 minutes, 35 minutes, half-time. As soon as the goal went in, let's say that went in on 45 minutes, right half-time, the second half was always going to be the same second half. Whether it be the 45 minutes or the last five minutes, it was going to be the same game. So I, I thought, look, the first substitution came quite early in regards to the triple sub. But I think the way it go, played out, I think we'll criticise other managers for taking so long with their substitutions. Pochettino, who I'm not fully against, Pochettino, I wouldn't wouldn't be against him coming to Man United. One of his big criticisms um, Tottenham had Tottenham fans had with him was his late substitutions. I think every fan does see a problem. We want to fix it straight away, and um, which is what, sort of what I was doing there. As soon as Atletico Madrid, I was thinking change it because. At the end of that, it's not a league game. You do need to go and score to stay in the competition. But um, just here before we do wrap up, Eric, um, good to see you, mate. Um, good morning from the US. Good evening, gents. What a disappointment last night. Such a disconnect from the team and the players just don't have that extra graft to pull through for the badge. And yeah, I think that pretty much sums up all our thoughts, whatever, in regards to quality or tactics or managers or investment. Ultimately, it is there does feel a disconnect with the players and the fans and the club at the moment. It is all three sort of pulling in different directions. And you do see other clubs, whether that be a Manchester City or a Liverpool, you've got all three of those parties pulling in the same direction. And that is why they're proven to be successful at the moment and Man United, why we are proven to be an absolute mess. But um, I'll just, I'll just um, help on Wills over here saying, just I think it's in regards to Rashford. Yeah, I'll say it again, send him on vacation, give Alanga the experience. Rashford has been totally out of form. Agree on that again. He's a creative midfielder. So, George, just anything before we do wrap up the podcast? Is anything just that we have touched on you want to sort of get off your chest or you done enough uh, for today? No, not really. There's a question from George in the comments. Halftime shows that all Trafford, uh, who's getting the singing gig? Um, as long as it's not Oasis or any other city or Liverpool fans, um, yeah, I don't care who it is. It's not, well, that, it's not that, that, that is the way the game's going. Um, that is the way the game's going. And that is why I think here, here I'm saying I don't think they're going to do this. But let's say in a situation they are going to do something, that is where I do see them knocking down the stadium and going after the Tottenham route in terms of hosting NFL games, hosting concerts. And I know Manchester does, the Old Trafford does host other events, 
but in regards to making it that new state-of-the-art sort of venue um, for not just football, sadly you can understand it, but also worries me because he will be having, I don't know, Beyonce or something, have a concert on a Friday night and Man United on a Saturday. So, Josh, just any sort of parting words um, for this weekly therapy session? George, like if the game's going in such a wild direction, but you probably end up with like some day doing a Ben Foster with like a little camera on his little uh, on his head. Yeah, you'll get TikTok TikToks during the game. It's mad. You mean it's totally off topic, but go on like social media now. People are TikToking about the war. You got like soldiers on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't. I shouldn't laugh. But yes, it's, it's a. Going, you, know, you witness a war in your lifetime, but it'd be on TikTok. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah, it sums up the world we do live in. And Manchester United don't help us and our mental state at the moment. But do hope everyone is coping with the situation United did put us in um, quite well. Um, that's why we're here. So that everyone just have a bit of a chat, get things off your chest. We do appreciate all the support, all the different opinions. It is good. Um, there are plenty of different opinions today in the live chat, but all as are always very respectful, which we do appreciate. We see a lot of the other sort of big channels. It's an absolute nightmare in their live chats and death threats if you have a different opinion to someone. So we do appreciate all the honesty and respect in there. Um, as always, just a, another reminder, just so you can see the ticker banner along the bottom. There is a link in the description below. Um, there's a link to a kit bag sale. If you do click on that link, um, it does truly help the channel. If you do want to get your Ronaldo shirt in before he leaves, or maybe you get a Harry Maguire shirt, a bit of a collector's item. But it doesn't have to be a Man United thing. It could be obviously football related. They do have... Plenty of authentic gear on there, whether it be your training gear or whatever, or a gift for someone if they do be uh, if they're unfortunate enough to support another club. Um, if you could use that link, that would be great and a huge help to us here at the podcast. But um, that said, anything else to get off the chest, lads, or is that enough for today? That'll do. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We will we will find content to get out before next August because the season is over. There's nothing to play for, but we will surely find stuff. I'm sure Larry might do a solo video tomorrow given his thoughts on the current game and or the current situation and the game against Atletico and maybe Friday night pint, I sort of maybe want to dissect and we'll do a little bit more um, sort of digging in regards to the old Trafford news and sort of the ramifications and what could happen and what everyone's thought. So make sure you are subscribed if you're new. That would be great. And join us on Friday night. And um, if you are watching, please do leave a like on the video. That would be very much appreciated. Until then, we'll chat to you on definitely Friday night, um, Australian time, Friday morning, UK time. Until then, have a good one. Cheers.